You're listening to the Tranquility Tribe podcast, an empowering space for all parents from conception to childhood. In this podcast, you'll explore your birth options, hear from experts in the field, learn to embrace self-indulgence, and prepare yourself for parenthood with Haiti. She's a coffee connoisseur, lover of deep belly laughs, a big-time tailgater, and your neighborhood birth junkie. From Mississippi to Massachusetts and everywhere in between, here's your host, Hee. Hello, villagers. Happy Tuesday. It is the beginning of another brand new week, another week to show this world what you've got. Give it your best, and I know you're going to crush it. I believe so much in you. Thank you so much for spending some of your time today with me. I really appreciate that. I um, I really love to hang out on here, and I love that you love it as well. So thank you so, so much. You are listening to episode number 40 of the Tranquility Tribe podcast. Today, I have a pelvic health physiotherapist from Canada on the show, and I am so excited. Mandy Rimfer-Cuncio is a wife, mother of three children, a birth doula, and the founder of Nurture Her. She has so much to share. Mandy has created a program focused on perineum massage in pregnancy. We are diving into things that you may not even know existed. We're going into incontinence, pelvic organ prolapse, the squatty potty, kegels, all the things. Mandy shares why she created a pelvic floor program for women and why perineum massage is important. This is the stuff I love because if we don't talk about it, who will? Also, I'm just so, so excited for this episode because she is so intelligent with all the things that I ask. I hope y'all are ready. Mandy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is an awesome chance to chat about what I love. So I'm so glad to be here. It is also something that I love and something that our listeners um, have asked for multiple times. It's always a hot topic when you are, you know, expecting a baby, especially your first baby or um, with parents who might have had traumatic births in their first or second, um, you know, any kind of previous births. Perineum massage always, always, always comes up. So before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about the program that you've created? Sure. So maybe I'll start with just a little bit about who I am. (laughs) So I am a pelvic health physiotherapist and a birth doula. So physiotherapy or physical therapy, as it's more commonly known in the States, I'm I'm a Canadian. Um, It's really about kind of the art and science of human movement and function, but we're really just totally interested in the human body, right? How it works, how it moves. And to me, my special passion is in particular relationship with the pelvis. (laughs) So that's what kind of makes me different from the average physio is I'm definitely keen on the pelvis. And when we're talking about birth preparation, I think there's a lot that we can do to help the pelvis out to birth. And so that's where I've centered most of my work so far. So I do have a clinical practice where I see women within my clinic, particularly during pregnancy and then in the postpartum period. And I see a lot of women because pelvis problems are so common in relationship to birth. So a few stats to kind of start things off, just to kind of frame the work I do. If you've had a baby, by the time you're 60 years old, one in two women will have bladder leakage. So that's a big stat. That's like half of the ladies out there who are mothers. And in addition, one in two women or about 50% of ladies who've had babies will also develop some degree of pelvic organ prolapse. So these are two pelvic problems that are really common but aren't, you know, normal, optimal function. So back to that physiotherapy piece and back to function, I'm interested in how can we help mothers after they have babies have stronger pelvises. And so what I did was create a 
preparation program around that in an effort to prevent those problems. And I really think that perineal massage, like you mentioned, can be a great tool to help out with that. I love it. I'm the queen of saying um, that it's common, but it's not normal. And those two mm. things are very, very different. I think um, a lot of times people maybe use them interchangeably, but what is common, meaning um, that it happens to a lot of people, does not mean that it is normal, meaning we expect this to happen from your body. So far, listeners, those are very different things. It can be very common. A lot of people have it, but it doesn't have to be, or it doesn't necessarily mean that it's normal, meaning that we expect this from your body. So let's talk about um, care providers and their approaches to perineum massage. There's um, the jury's out, right? So uh, especially here in Boston, you have some providers who say, yes, do all the perineum massages that you can do. And then you have some that say, don't bother, don't waste your time. Um, obviously you're pro perineum massage, but give us, gives us, um, some, some hard evidence. What are those numbers looking like, um, as far as like why we should be doing perineum massage? You're right a little bit that in some circles, it's a little, I guess you could say controversial. And the reason for that is that when the Cochrane Review Board, who's kind of a, you know, a really big entity that looks at, um, the valuable scientific research out there, when they looked at all of the studies that exist on perineal massage, there weren't really super obvious benefits. Now, one good thing they did find was that there are really not much in the way of risks. So perineal massage, we can pretty much say is safe. There isn't going to be any harm to mums or babies with massage, but we're just not sure from a scientific evidence perspective possibly how much benefit there could be. Some studies have shown there is benefit from doing perineal massage, and then some studies have shown that there's not much change. I am pro perineal massage, as you know, but I'm even more so pro for a specific set of moms. And we can talk about like who I think perineal massage is best for. Um, so therefore, you'll see differences in, in care providers, right? Some care providers think, oh yeah, use it because it's shown benefit in XYZ, and other care providers will be like, well, some of the research didn't show much change, so it's up to you. And then some are like, okay, you know, we don't really need to do it. It's all over the map. But I think if we could do more specific scientific research on this one group of women that I think it would benefit most, I think we would see a lot of great outcomes because clinically, that's what I see in my practice. I love it. I am, um, I'm, talking about being the queen again I'm the queen of saying like why not so when parents come to me and they say you know I heard about perineal massage what do you think about it my answer is always why not and it kind of goes back to we know it's safe and we know it can't hurt and if it does really great things for you then great and if it does nothing for you then okay but I really don't believe that you're ever going to do a perineal massage and not get anything out of it the the you know, the least that you get is you get more in touch with your body. You know, those sensations, you're, um, you're down there, you're feeling around, you're, you're getting in touch with your body, right? I totally agree. And I think maybe one of the, the drawbacks of the research is they're always looking for a specific outcome. So the research is always measuring the incidence of perineal injury, right? Perineal tearing or, or need for episiotomy and sutures they're not necessarily looking at some of the other benefits that we know come from perineal massage, like what you're saying, like that ability to get to know your body, maybe establishing your pelvic floor baseline, because I think it's really important. You know what you got before you go into that. Birth is going to change things. That's inevitable. Birth is one of the most challenging things that a female pelvis is going to go through in terms of what the muscles and the bones and the joints have to be able to do. And I'd also be interested to know, you know, maybe some research even on birth satisfaction. How do moms feel about their births if they've done perineal massage? Does that influence it at all? I think maybe it might but again the research is limited because it hasn't looked at that but I still think there are a number of good reasons we should keep doing it for sure I think all of our outcomes that we are looking for in these research are you know very physical for me I would love to see the research on the mental health side of you know where did you stand before you were doing perineal massage as far as like 
body awareness and maybe the way that you think about your body and maybe even um, that inner dialogue, that self-talk and then had perineal massage um, affected that. Um, I think that would be really cool to look at the mental health piece that, that comes along with that. So circling back to the big question of perineal massage or not to perineal massage, touch on um, the group of women that you think can really benefit. I'm very intrigued about this. Yeah. So one of the things that's so awesome about perineal massage and you spending time getting to know your body that way is it's going to help you establish your pelvic floor baseline. And by pelvic floor baseline, in my clinical practice, I'm looking for kind of one of three categories of experiences. One would be if the pelvic floor, just how it's behaving, is it normal? Because lots of women have normal pelvic floors and that's great. But then there's another category of women that sort of fit into what I would consider to have a weak pelvic floor. And weak pelvic floors might sort of show up as bladder leakage during pregnancy or even before pregnancy might show up as, um, yeah, an inability to control passing gas. There's lots of things that can sort of manifest, could even be pain as a weak pelvic floor. So if you've got pelvic floor stuff going on, you want to know that before you have your baby. And the third category, and the category that I think is most important for perineal stretching, is this group of women who have what I call a tight pelvic floor. So a tight pelvic floor would be, you know, a lot of extra tension in the pelvic floor, even at rest. This really matters because your pelvic floor is your baby's door. It needs to be able to relax, lengthen, and open during birth so that the baby can exit and come earth side. And if you have a tight pelvic floor and you know that going into birth, it may be you know, providing some resistance against that birthing process. So if you can do something ahead of time to help that resistance you know, decrease, melt away, work on stretching, work on relaxing, I think that's gonna influence your birth more so than someone who has a weak or a normal pelvic floor. Those pelvic floors, chances are they are going to open more easily than a tight pelvic floor. And for our listeners, this isn't just about, um, you know, birth and passing a baby immediately. I'm thinking of women out there who are unable to have sex because your pelvic floor is so tight or, um, you know, maybe I hear all the time people say, he, he, my vagina literally just doesn't open when I have sex. Um, especially if they're really stressed out or there are other things going on in their life. This is a really great way to, work on that. So if I know we have listeners out there who aren't necessarily parents yet and who aren't um, pregnant yet, but you listen anyway, this is for you. This is definitely for you. If you're out there and you have um, a tight pelvic floor region, start these perineal massages. You know, again, why not? If nothing else, you are, um, you're getting to know your body a little deeper. Yes, absolutely. And tight pelvic floors in my clinical practice, I would say are more and more common. And there's a number of reasons for that. One I would say is, you know, well, let me back up a little bit. I do absolutely believe that a woman's body is perfectly designed to birth. I absolutely believe that. But historically, over, you know, the centuries that women have been birthing, women participated in very different physical activities. Now, I would say our culture is very much more sedentary, right? Like we often have desk jobs, we do lots of driving, we do lots of sitting. And sitting naturally isn't a great task for the pelvic floor because it can become tight when it's sitting a lot because the joints just don't move. The other big thing that's changed about our common you know, North American lifestyle is that we don't squat to toilet. We sit on ceramic toilets. And that's been beneficial for many reasons, like, you know, keeping things clean and infection control. And, and that's really important. But when we don't squat, our pelvis loses a lot of the range of motion that it normally has. So all of this sitting in chairs and this lack of squatting, particularly through our adolescent years when the pelvis is developing, and think about that. When you were in school, chances are you were 
spending most of your day sitting at your desk, right? Your pelvis is growing and developing, but it's doing this in this seated shortened position. So all that sedentary time, that lack of squatting means that our pelvic floors are shorter and potentially tighter than they were those hundreds of years ago when we were hunters and gatherers or, or even more farmers. Because of that, we need to do some work to prepare that shortened or, or tighter pelvic floor for birth. And I think if we looked at women who kind of can self-identify or have been identified by their practitioners as having a tighter pelvic floor, if they do their perineal massage, I really think it could show a decrease in, in risk of perineal injury. 100%. I could not agree. I could not agree more. So um, my clients, I'm sure there are some out there listening right now who are just rolling their eyes because I can't talk like any more about squatting prenatally. Um, it is something that I just really, you know, I just drive it home that starting very early in your pregnancy, you should definitely um, be squatting. And then going back to the toilet use, Squatty potties, people. You've heard me say it before. My clients, again, I know you're out there rolling your eyes and laughing at me. Squatty potties and do your squats every, every single day. I love it. I love so much when I have professionals on here that, um, you know, come on here and they just speak my same language. This is amazing. Yeah. I love the squatty potty too. You know, I'm, I'm the cheesy person who gives squatty potties for Christmas presents. Yes. <laughs> I'm adding that to my list this yeah. year. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on um, the way that society tells us, and particularly we women, to push through pain, whether it be sex, childbirth, postpartum healing, whatever it might be. Society has this funny way of, of telling us that, you know, like, pain makes you stronger, no pain, no gain. Um, this is not necessarily the case with our pelvic floor muscles, so I'm hoping we can set the record straight. Yes, please, and thank you for bringing attention to that. In my opinion, pain is never normal, never. It is always a sign from your body telling you that something's up, right? And it, and it always requires or merits further investigation. And I would agree, I feel like our North American society, it pushes hard, it pushes fast, it pushes long. We, we have very high expectations of what we try to get done within our 24 hour days. And I think that's another really good reason why we should spend some time preparing the pelvis and the body for birth is partially what I would consider this lost intuition. I mean, really, when was the last time you slowed down when you had a headache or you slowed down when you had a stomach ache? We tend to really ignore these messages our body is giving us. Then we go to birth and you hear all this messaging like birth is a normal natural process. It's intuitive. You just need to listen to your body. But how do you listen to your body when you've spent the last 20 years learning how to ignore those subtle messages that it gives, right? So I love birth preparation for that reason, and perineal massage is one of the tools to use to get to know those sensations within your pelvis so that when birth comes, you're ready to listen. You can hear that body wisdom because it's not brand new to you, and you've practiced listening, right? Absolutely. I think this is something um, that is such a pillar in um, the Tranquility by He He approach. And I, I definitely think it's something that sets us apart is that we do so much work prenatally about listening to your body. And really, um, you know, sometimes it seems like a code. So we work and we decipher the codes that your, body's, uh, your body is sending you. Um, one of the things that makes me cringe the most is when doctors or any other professionals really tell people, you know, well, this pain is because you're pregnant or postpartum healing is just painful. Um, oh, it just, it really just digs to my core. It really, really irks me to no end because that's, you know, while that's true, while the pregnancy probably is causing this pain, doesn't mean you have to live with this pain. There's stuff that we can do. There are all sorts of things that we can do. Um, so you should be telling somebody about your pain, whether that is your OBGYN, your midwife, your doula, your best friend, Google that stuff. Like there are things that you can do. There are people out there um, that can help you with that pain. Pain is definitely your body's way of communicating. 
Yes. And you're right in that it's treatable and you don't have to live with it, right? How many moms are, are doing that, you know, stereotypical pregnancy waddle because they can't get around, especially if you have other children and you're trying to manage a toddler or older kids and you're really suffering. You don't have to live with that. And that's a big message I try to get out to the doctors in our area as well, not to normalize that pain. Pregnancy is natural, but it's not a pain producing, doesn't have to be a pain producing physiological time in our lives. For sure. I love that you bring up that pre-pregnancy waddle. I actually have talked to a few women who have almost worn this waddle as a badge of honor. They, they've looked forward to this waddle that they get. It's almost like a way of saying, look at me, you know, I'm super pregnant or I'm almost about to have this baby. And for me, that also makes me really cringe. It makes me think, um, you know, what kind of pain are they dealing with that they don't have to be dealing with? And, and we know you're pregnant. You are so cute and pregnant. You don't have to waddle because it is, it really does cause damage to your pelvic floor and your hips and your back. And then that just goes all the way up to, you know, your neck and your shoulders. And it's all just really interconnected. Um, so if you find yourself waddling out there, Find a different badge of honor to wear. And if you find yourself waddling due to pain, please reach out. Um, Mandy and I are both happy to help or connect you to someone um, in your area. Absolutely. So something that comes up a lot um, when I'm talking about perineum massage is partner work. So what, what are your thoughts? And I have my own thoughts and I'll share them after you, but what are your thoughts on bringing your partner into this very intimate, um, you know, kind of a new thing? Most people don't ever get down there and massage their perineum before they're expecting a baby. That is such a good question. And, you know, it will be interesting for us to discuss because I have um, a kind of specific viewpoint on this. I do have an, op an opinion on it. And honestly, when I'm recommending perineal massage, I always recommend that, you know, mothers do it. And typically I don't recommend partners or certainly not in the beginning. And the reason I do this is because it is this opportunity to get to know your body. And for some women, they haven't looked before. They haven't felt before. They haven't tried it out. So that's hard to do when someone's watching you right? It's often easier to try that out on your own. And this is that time for you to get to know those messages your body's sending you and what your tissues are like. And it's also a time for you to, you know, develop your natural reaction to potentially some strain in the tissues. I don't want to use pain because that's not what we're going for when we're practicing our stretching. We're really going for a stretch sensation, but you have to give enough force with your stretch to feel that stretch sensation. And when partners are helping, 
you got to have amazing communication. So often it's not where you want to start. Let mom start on her own so that she can have a sense of, you know, okay, if I add this much pressure, I get a sense of stretch. And now I'm conditioning my body on how to relax. I, in my experience, when partners go, they're either super keen and they're going in there with a little bit too much force because they really want to help or they're nervous too. And so they're so gentle that then they're not really providing enough of a stretch and it becomes an exercise in communication more than an exercise in body preparation. So I think if partners want to be involved, I love that, that commitment and, and that keenness, but I always want mom to at least start on her own first so that she can really hear those body messages and develop her relaxation response to the stretching and then potentially involve partner or, or even not, right? If she's really not comfortable, you know, involving the partner, then, you know, this is her time too. <laughs> so there can definitely be options. I love it. I actually love your outlook so much. And it's, it's very much in alignment of what I also believe. So I always encourage people, um, birthing parents to start on their own um, and then bring in your partner. I'm never going to tell you not to involve your partner if that's something that is really, if you really feel like that's for you. Um, and it's funny that you bring up the communication because there have been several partners who are so worried about communicating during birth that I use the perineum massage as a way to get them to practice communicating in a space that is new, right? So these are parents who are expecting their first child. You don't know what birth is like. You've never been in a birth room, most likely. So you're going to be in this new environment, in a new space that you've never been before. And I think that using your perineum massage can um, kind of kill two birds with one stone, if you will. It can give you a place to practice that communication, but also get your perineum massage in for the day. So I love that. That is, it's amazing. That's cool. We're super in sync. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of um, pelvic floor physio physiotherapy or pelvic floor physical therapy here in the States, this is always a question that people have no clue. Um, some people don't even know that it exists, but some people have no clue what to expect. So can you dive in a little bit about what it is? When do you need it? How often you should go? Why you should go? You know, who do you even turn to in order to find a PFPT? What all the questions, all the W's. <laughs> yes, excellent questions they are too. Right, so general physiotherapy, right? We're looking at movement and function. We're looking at how injury or disease or disorders can affect that impact and, and on movement and function. But pelvic floor therapists are experts in the areas associated with the pelvis. So that might be the sacrum, that might be your SI joints, the coccyx, the pelvic floor, even the vulva area and, and the vi vagina itself. We can still treat other parts of the body, but we're really interested in how the pelvis in particular integrates with the rest of the whole unit. So the people that would come to see me might have pain. That might so that's a common thing that pelvic floor physical therapists treat, typically in and around somewhere between the ribs to the hips. Kind of that core canister is the most common area where we look at complaints. That might be low back pain, that might be tailbone pain. In pregnancy, that might be pubic symphysis pain because that's really common. Could also be abdominal pain or you know some of that uterine ligament pain. Like often mothers will complain of round ligament pain or broad ligament pain, depending on how things are changing within the abdomen. And it could also be some functional things like incontinence. Women will come to see me because they're leaking from their bladder or in really, you know, less than optimal circumstances, leaking bowel as well. And that's a reality for some women who've had perineal injury during birth. But all of those things are things we can treat. Pelvic organ prolapse would be another one. And then the third or the last category that I often see is diastasis recti or diastasis recti, which is another postpartum concern. In my perfect world, physiotherapy would be the standard of care during pregnancy. So just like you go to your midwife or your obstetrician or your family doctor for your pregnancy care, I would love to see regular visits with 
your physiotherapist, your pelvic floor physiotherapist as well. So in my perfect world, I like to see women around 20 to 24 weeks because that's going to give us a good time, yeah, to establish that pelvic floor baseline, see what the pelvis is up to, but it still gives us a, a window of opportunity in which to work on challenges that might, you know, resist against the process of birth. And then again, I like to see women around 32 to 36 weeks where we get into some of that nitty gritty birth preparation like perineal massage. Um, in other countries in the world, like France, pelvic floor physiotherapy is the standard of care. Those women get to see practitioners, you know, even for six to 12 visits in the postpartum period. And the postpartum period is a really important period as well for care. I know recently in the US, your board of obstetricians and gynecologists has just come on saying that we need to put more of an emphasis on postpartum care and that women need to be supported, especially in those first six weeks and potentially ongoing should they need. And I think pelvic floor physical therapy needs to be in that window as well. So in my perfect world, I would also see women at six weeks postpartum to do a check so we could see how's the healing going? Do we need to help it along? Because in the pre birth, prepartum period, I guess you could say, we want to look at, you know, preventing perineal injury, preventing prolapse, but should some of those things have happened during birth, because again, birth is unpredictable, then the earlier we can treat it, the much better outcomes we can have. So if you've got incontinence at six weeks postpartum, let's get on that and let's fix it so that you don't have to carry that into your years as you age. A lot of pelvic floor problems resurface or get worse at menopause. So I really feel that if we spend awesome time taking care of our bodies in that early postpartum period with a visit to your pelvic floor physiotherapist, you can hopefully ward off the challenges that come with that menopausal change and aging. I love it. You mentioned so many things that are like right up my alley. So DR listeners, Again, you're rolling your eyes. You know I'm going to say it. I love diastasis recti, and I think that it happens a lot more frequently than people realize, and it, it's, it's treatable. You can get help for that kind of stuff. Um, I also love that you say you encourage all women to kind of explore this option. I do as well, and um, I kind of have created my little perfect world here um, in the TVH world. I've partnered with a PFPT um, here in Boston, and I do encourage all of my clients prenatally and postpartum to see her. Um, of course, it's not everybody's jam, um, but if it is your jam, I definitely, I definitely recommend that you explore that option, even if you're not having problems. So this is something I also hear is like, hee hee, why should I go? Because I'm not having any problems. Well, you're not having any symptoms, but what do you know? Like, how do you know what it looks like on the inside? How do you know also what things are supposed to be like if this is your first pregnancy. You don't really know. There's no, we don't have a magnifying glass that we can hold up to our body and see inside of our body. So sometimes we really do need just to explore it. And who knows, you might go to a PFPT and they say, yeah, things look great. Have your baby and come back to me afterwards and let's just do another check. And you might go afterwards and there's like nothing wrong, you know, and they say mm -hmm. everything's great. That's definitely Definitely, definitely um, a possibility, but wouldn't you rather be precautionary and take that precaution and just go to those two visits kind of preemptively as a, as a protective measure rather than waiting until something is wrong? I totally agree. And I feel like this is really important when it comes to pelvic organ prolapse too. So prolapse is a pelvic condition that can exist on a, on a scale of grades where you can have a minor problem or you can have a major problem. And I think it's important for women to find out early on if maybe they do have a, ma a minor problem and they might not have symptoms associated with it yet but there very well could be symptoms at menopause. And had they known, oh, I had a minor prolapse, they could have worked on it and you know, supported their pelvises during that and built their strength so that it wasn't a major problem down the road. So I find if you just, even one visit to give yourself that little bit of insurance to help you age gracefully, right, would, would be really, really helpful. 
I agree. I think also if you if you're catching those minor problems prenatally that might be exasperated during birth, you can go ahead and be doing things prenatally to maybe change your birth outcome, if you will, or maybe at least know okay, I definitely have to get back to the PFPT after my birth. You know, it, it does kind of, it changes your path, if you will. So listeners, don't wait. Just please don't wait. We're, we're trying to tell you right now, do, oh, just do it. Just go to a PFPT, explore that option, um, you know, see if it's right for you, which segues me perfectly into my next um, kind of avenue I want to go down internal work. This is really intimidating for people. So a lot of people think that um, vaginal internal work only happens at the OBGYN and you know those don't always have the most pleasant um, connotations attached to those visits. So what are we looking at as far as internal work with a PFPT? What does that look like but also what are you looking for? Great question. So when I do an assessment, I am still looking at a woman as a whole person. So the vast majority of my work isn't actually internal. I want to look at the whole core in particular. So I'm still going to look at the spine. I'm still going to look at the abdominal wall. I'm also going to look at what the pelvis is doing and how it's working when women are moving. And so we'll do a whole bunch of different tests outside of the body. But your pelvic floor is an internal structure and it is an essential part of your core canister. And the only way that I can truly assess what's going on with it is with an internal exam. It's not very well palpated from the exterior of the body. The best way for us to figure out how it's working is to is typically to go through the vagina to check it out. Um, men have pelvic floors as well and their access is a little bit different often you'll do a backdoor or a rectal exam to figure out what's happening with the pelvic floor which we sometimes do in women too but i find that women are a little bit more understanding of what a vaginal exam is from you know visits to the doctor for their annual checkups or whatnot that being said our internal assessments are vastly different than what your gynecologist is going to do for the most part, we don't use speculums, okay? That's actually a nice thing because it's much less invasive. The work we do is typically with one or two fingers for our exam. It's very gentle because most of the time, or often, we are working with women who are having pain in their pelvic floor, right? That's a sign of also often tightness, but pain is never normal. So if any of you listeners are having pain with intercourse, pain with sex, um, or other pain in your pelvis, do get it checked. But we're gonna go with your, you know, the client's feedback and, and how they're feeling. And we're just gonna go slowly and kind of check out what that might be like. But the things I'm looking for, first of all, um, what's your pelvic floor contraction like? Can you do a Kegel or a pelvic floor contraction? And usually I'm looking for two things about that. Can I feel a squeeze and can I feel a lift? Because you need to be able to do a couple of the things with those muscles. But I'm also really, really keen to know, can you relax your pelvic floor? So I'm looking for strength, but I'm also looking for relaxation. I'm looking for areas of muscle tightness. And I'm also sort of assessing what the position of the pelvic organs is like, right? Like, again, back to this pelvic organ prolapse. In the postpartum period, I want to get a sense of where is that bladder? Is it nice and high? Is it coming down lower than it should? Where is the cervix? Is it nice and high or coming down lower than it should? That can give us really, really valuable information. And the only way you can get that is by, by looking internally. I love it. So I'm not going to dive too much into my stance on Kegels for our listeners. Uh, if you want that, if you want to hear my spiel about that, you can visit episode number 11 featuring Sarah Reardon. Um, but you pointed out something that's interesting to me that you can feel a Kegel if you go inside. Is that something that we can do as a self-check? Can we feel our own Kegel movement? Ideally, yes. I mean, absolutely. You can give it a go. Now, you won't quite have the same training we have to look for the subtlety, you know, but one of the 
if I had to sort of give it a quick overview, absolutely. If you put one finger vaginally and you did a Kegel or a pelvic floor contraction, you should feel ideally squeeze and lift. What you should not feel is pressure. You should not feel pressure coming downward towards your hand. And so I would say if you did a quick self-check and you were feeling pressure or bulging, then you want to go see your PFPT to see if there's any, you know, maybe tweaking in your technique that needs to be done and figuring out how that system is working with the rest of the core. But yeah, you could see, is there squeeze? Is there lift? That is amazing. Listeners, wow, you didn't even know you were going to get this amount of information. <laughs> that is so cool. My mind is blown. I, little TMI, can't wait to check that out my own self. That is so, so cool. And what's interesting is that the gynecologists don't usually look for that right? When they do an assessment, they don't check what the muscles are doing. Some, I mean, a good gynecologist will look to see if you can do a pelvic floor contraction, but they don't always tell you that's what they're doing and they don't always give you information about it. And lots of times when OBs are doing, say, a six-week postpartum check, they don't even look at that at all. They look to see, you know, are the stitches healed? If there were stitches, right? Is there any infection? And if we don't have those medical problems, you're good, right? And you get clearance to exercise. But I would also say that six-week clearance to exercise is often a bit premature. Often, especially if there's perineal injury, any stitches of any kind, I prefer women to wait closer to 12 weeks, both for sex and for exercise, particularly vigorous exercise. That being said, I can't give a blanket statement. There is no one size fits all for all women. There is not. Some women heal beautifully more quickly than others, and they can do more activity than some. So really, it comes down to, again, every woman should have that six-week postpartum physio check to find out, yeah, I'm ready to run, or mm, maybe we need to build the strength back up, maybe we need to work on coordination, maybe we need to do other things to help this core be as strong as it can be, because one of my underlying philosophies is that the world needs strong mothers, right? And pregnancy and birth can be a time that's challenging, but we want to come out on the other side of that as hopefully stronger than ever before, because now we're caring for babies and children, and, and that requires strength. Strong mothers, strong vaginas. <laughs> so I love, um, I love that you bring up the fact that um, it's not a blanket statement, and I think that is so utterly important and for our listeners who have been here from the beginning um you've heard this multiple times and for our listeners who maybe are just now joining us it really is it's so different for everybody and that is because your pregnancy is different for everybody your birth is different for everybody your body like the way that you even you know grew that baby and the way that you heal all of it is just so different um and then don't even get me started on the six-week checkup that is like should I even venture to say it's almost a joke so please 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 check into a PFPT if you are feeling like you um, maybe aren't healing like you thought or like um, you know what society tells you or maybe even you're like you're comparing yourself to your neighbor your sister if there's anything that's concerning to you um, get to a PFPT um, or again, reach out to Mandy and I and we can, we can help point you in, in the right direction. So we've talked about prolapse. We've talked about DR. We've talked about, um, you know, all the other things that, that can happen during birth. What about incontinence? So what can help you um, with concerning incontinence after a baby? Is there anything that women can do kind of at home? Great question. So I do want to say in the first four to six weeks after having a baby, some incontinence is considered normal. So it isn't actually something to panic about. If you get home and in those first weeks you're finding you just can't get to the bathroom on time, like there's some leakage happening before you can kind of get over that toilet, don't panic. All right. That it is very very common and, and normal for the first four to six weeks. The hallmark of that is though, that you should be noticing improvement in it. So as time goes on, as long as the signs of incontinence are improving within those four to six weeks, that's okay. However, by six weeks, if you are still 
experiencing incontinence, you do need to get it checked because it isn't normal after that period of time. Part of the reason it's so, it's so common and normal in the first four to six weeks is because the bladder is really disorganized. It goes from the end of pregnancy where it's completely squished by the uterus and really has no real estate to suddenly this open abdominal canister which is quite soft because the abdominal muscles are still lengthened they haven't you know regained their tone the pelvic floor is lengthened it hasn't regained its tone and now the bladder just can kind of wiggle and wobble in all that space after it was so tightly compressed so one of the things you can really do to help yourself is to make sure you're peeing ideally every three to four hours but not longer than every four hours this is important because moms get busy and especially if you have other children or or you know you're on that working with all that feeding on demand or whatever you're doing sometimes you get through the whole day and you're like oh my gosh i didn't even get dressed never mind been to the bathroom since this morning right so if you can put yourself on a clock to make sure you're avoiding yeah i would say every three hours two to three hours but not waiting longer than four hours you will help that disorganized bladder to reorganize and get its filling pattern going sometimes we experience incontinence because really we just let the bladder get too full and the pelvic floor can't control it anymore if you waited eight hours to pee and this isn't just for new moms this is also for the Anybody. teachers out there, the nurses out yeah. there, all of the women out there who are on their feet a lot and, and don't have regular bathroom breaks, you're doing your bladder a disservice. We really need to be emptying our bladders every two to three hours and not holding it longer than four hours. I think it's also important to recognize too, um, as someone who has just had a baby, your body is doing a lot of shrinking back. And I think a lot of the shrinking focus is always put on your uterus. So like breastfeed and the fundal massage and, you know, the days after, after you have the baby, your uterus is shrinking back, but all the things in your body are kind of relearning how to function, if you will. So with your bladder, I think it's the same thing. You do almost have to retrain it a little bit to, um, to maybe pre-baby status. Um, yeah, awesome. You know, shout out to all of our teachers and the nurses and all the people out there who go eight hours without peeing. That was, that was me. I, I, I can't say anything different. I definitely have gone multiple days, um, multiple days without peeing more than like once the whole entire work day, which is so, so awful. Yeah, let's break those habits. We're good I pelvic health. <laughs> so one of my last questions for you is about Kegling. So, um, you know, I think it's pretty widely known, although I do get thrown off every now and then of women who are like, I'm doing my Kegels every day, you know, prenatally. And it that, that makes me cringe. You shouldn't be doing that. But postpartum, this is often something that people are like, all right, when can I start my Kegels? I'm, I'm ready to get back, you know, kind of get this show on the road with my Kegels postpartum. What are your thoughts on postpartum Kegels? So I would say as a general rule of thumb, there is no general rule. Okay. That's really important because a number of women actually will develop a tight pelvic floor after birth. Yeah. And particularly if there's been perineal injury, particularly if there's tearing or suturing, the body will tighten the pelvic floor in protection of that healing. If you've got a tight pelvic floor and you start doing a whole bunch of Kegels, you will make that problem worse. So not everyone has a weak pelvic floor after birth and not everyone needs to do Kegels. Now, many women do, but the only way you're going to know is if you've been assessed to find out, right? So that's really another, another blog for pelvic floor physiotherapy, but no, not everyone should be doing Kegels and you could potentially, you know, make your healing more challenging if you've had perineal injury and you start doing a ton of Kegels. What's more important in that case is, well, equally as important as your ability to contract is your ability to relax. And I can't emphasize that enough either in the pregnancy period or in the postpartum period. 
That's amazing. Um, for all of our listeners out there, I do, um, I have this exercise of um, visualization as an elevator for your pelvic floor. So I will put that in our show notes for all of our listeners out there who are kind of wondering about the relaxation of your pelvic floor, because that can sound a little scary, like, you know, uh-oh, things might slip out if I relax mm. it too, too much. Wow. This has been one of the most incredible interviews I've been able to do. I love it, love it, love it when there is what I call surprise information, things that I had no idea about. Um, and our listeners, you just got taken along for such an amazing, amazing ride. Mandy, if people were out there um, listening and they wanted to connect with you, where do people find you and your program? Right. Yes. Excellent. So the easiest place to find me is um, at my clinic's website, which is nurtureher, all one word, dot ca, because I am up in Canada. If you go to nurtureher.ca forward slash blog, you can find lots of great pelvic floor tips there. I've got all kinds of little video snippets, free stuff, either for birth preparation and, and also for postpartum healing, which you would all be welcome to access. I would love to see you there. And you can also find my online birth preparation class there. So perineal massage is an important piece of that. And I also have a free video, you know, mini masterclass on that, that you can find on my website, nurtureher.ca forward slash perineal dash massage. And then you can also find our classes that we run there. And, and I would welcome you there to learn all the other tips and tricks in addition to perineal massage that can help you prepare for birth and healing in the postpartum. I would also love to continue this discussion on Facebook. So you can find us um, Facebook forward slash nurture her and then the number one and on Instagram where I'm trying to post a little bit of, you know, inspiration to help us all be stronger moms. And there you can find us at core dot believers because I'm a big believer in strong cores and strong moms. Wow. Listeners, did you even know this is what you had in store for you with this episode? I certainly didn't. This is amazing. Listeners, we will link all of um, Mandy's things for you in the show notes so that you have easy access to it. Mandy, I cannot thank you enough. This has been really amazing and oh my gosh, just utterly informative for all of our listeners and for me. This is this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being here with us. As always, awesome. thanks for having me. As always, listeners, find your tribe and love them hard. Did you know that you can join our online tribes? Our private Facebook group can be found by searching the Tranquility Tribe podcast on Facebook. And our Instagram tribe is Tranquility by Hehe. If you have a story you want to share with us, please reach out to us at tranquilitybyhehe at gmail.com. Until next time, villagers.